welcome to a DiCaprio episode of the Play It As It Lies podcast, prime into the midst of October, prime into Oscar season. You might be wondering why on a sports podcast we're talking about Oscar season. Well, there's a lot better things to watch this weekend, and uh, they might be better at the theater than to watch into NFL Sunday this weekend. So, Frank, you know, I usually like to start off with some nice banter with you. What's your favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Uh, there's not one coming out this Sunday, but I've been thinking about him a lot. Great question, Rotom, uh, and I do agree with you. Watching movies this weekend, uh, especially on Sunday, might be a better idea than uh, some of the games we have on the Week 7 NFL slate. Uh, it could take the low-hanging fruit and say Wolf of Wall Street, which is a terrific movie uh, in its own right. But uh, I'll mix it up and go uh, Shutter Island or maybe Marvin's Room. Take it back to 1996. How about you? Uh, great answer. Shutter Island is fantastic. And you might not be wrong there about The Wolf of Wall Street. I mean, him and Scorsese never go wrong. Uh, but I'm going to go for a different Scorsese movie, and I'm going with The Departed, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you like watching people just do a terrible Boston accent, and then a few people do a really good Boston accent, watch The Departed. Watch The Aviator. Honestly, if Leonardo DiCaprio is in it and Scorsese directed it, watch that movie because it is surely fantastic. Yeah, always a good call. DiCaprio, uh, one of the best, uh, undisputedly, one of the best actors uh, of our generation, much like a, uh, a certain running back in the NFL right now, wouldn't you say? Much like a certain running back. You know, one movie that we could uh, have gone there is Titanic, of course, him and Kate Winslet, one of the greatest movies uh, to ever come out, especially financially in the box office. Uh, well, you know, when you think of the word Titanic, you somehow see the word Titan right in there. And uh, coming off a Monday night win against a team that I think I, I previously viewed as the best team in the NFL, uh, the Buffalo Bills, the Tennessee Titans currently sit at 4-2, top of their division, third in the AFC. Uh, they're looking mad good, and I think the only man, the singular man that we can blame that, not Mike Vrabel, not anyone on that defense, not quarterback Ryan Tannehill, it is King Henry, Derrick Henry himself. Currently, 783 yards, 10 touchdowns on 162 attempts, is sitting at 10th place, 10th place on the MVP odds at a whopping plus 2,000. Uh, you know, on pace for over 2,000 yards, 2,219, on pace for 28 touchdowns, on pace for 456 attempts, uh, all would-be NFL records, shout out the 17th game of the season. Um, the, I mean, this is tremendous, this is, this is genuinely the best, and we spent a lot of time last season talking about it, when he broke 2,000 yards, uh, he wasn't even a top five MVP candidate last year, uh, what does this guy have to do to win the MVP this year and what does it mean if he were to win MVP how much does that mean to the further conversation of is this the best running back ever well it'd be huge and I mean you can have all the stats and production at the end of the day but you know you need the accolades and the individual awards to to really beef up your resume and I think it's crazy to me that he's just barely cracking the top 10 in the MVP voting right now. And you have to think that uh, that's going to change in the coming weeks. And it's obviously a quarterback award nowadays. It has been for quite some time. But if anyone was going to buck that trend, uh, it's going to be Derrick Henry, or it should be Derrick Henry at the very least. Uh, and obviously, that's contingent upon how good the Titans will be this season and where they'll finish at the end of the year. But you know, what this guy does year after year, uh, week after week, the combination of longevity and production and just sheer dominance is uh, is crazy. And it's unparalleled, quite frankly, at least, you know, in our lifetime. Yeah, I mean, the only other guy I can think of 
is the only other guy to win MVP as a running back in the last is Adrian Peterson, and he is on pace to shatter all of AP's records in the next two to three years. Uh, and I, you know, Derrick Henry's not the not a, not a very old guy. I can see him playing for another four or five, which would put him definitely in the realm of the Jim Browns of the world, the Barry Sanders, the Walter Paytons, the OJ Simpsons. You know, so that's. <laughs> that's a stratosphere that we definitely get to, and uh, I, I mean, before we go on to the longevity, I mean, tenth place in the MVP. It's, it's why we're talking about it because I saw this list on on right after Monday night, and I was thinking, how much more valuable can you get? You know, there are guys like Josh Allen, I think, like Lamar Jackson, like Dak Prescott. You can say that are incredibly valuable to their teams. I mean, their entire teams are built, but I mean, if if Derrick Henry doesn't play well we know what the end result is if there's less than 100 yards in henry's stack column we know that the titans lost there's not many players like that so you know i'll list off the guys ahead of him right now it's kyler murray josh allen dak prescott tom brady matthew stafford lamar jackson aaron Rodgers, justin herbert and then patrick mahomes uh, are the nine guys ahead of him in that order uh how far up do you think henry should be because in a personal opinion i think he should be easily top five i don't know who else should be up up there but how how high would you rank him among among those guys yeah i agree he should definitely be closer to top five than number 10 and you can't overlook what some of the quarterbacks ahead of him this year uh, on that list that you just laid out are doing and some of the individual seasons that they're having but in terms of sheer value to a team's success uh, to me other than lamar jackson and maybe one or two of those other quarterbacks uh, he's right up there because this Titans team without him would not be four and two and not looking. And if you go back, you know, last year and the year before, uh, they wouldn't have been a division winner without him. They, they frankly would not be, they would not have the success that they've had, uh, without Derrick Henry leading the way. And you know, Rodham, that generally I am more in the camp that, uh, running back in today's NFL is kind of an overvalued position in the sense that uh, it's much easier to plug and play guys off the street or lesser known guys at the running back position and have success than it is at other positions. But Derrick Henry is uh, the guy who bucks that trend. I mean, he he's like the Terminator. He's He's just inevitable. Yeah, he definitely is inevitable, but like how how inevitable, right? Because I I definitely started this season continuously telling everyone that uh, the Titans were going to be terrible because I don't think Derrick Henry was going to play a full seventeen. That's entirely possible. I mentioned it earlier. He's projected currently to run for four hundred and fifty six yards per attempt, uh, according to uh, Mayo Clinic. Uh, a guy at about his size, running at about that force every single time, has just approximately one in five hundred. One in 150 chance to tear his ACL on any given attempt. Uh, at 456 yards per attempt, that is a 36% chance at some point in the rest of the season that man is going to tear his ACL. And that is concerning because the second that happens, the Titan season is over because we talked about Papa Nichols before, but Jeremy McNichols, not going to get that done for you if you want Derrick Henry production levels. So maybe maybe that's what it takes, right? You, you get Derrick Henry hurt for the last two games and you see how truly puny this Titans offense is and then you, you learn a little bit more about how valuable he is as a team. But, I mean, I, that that's a personal opinion. But if he does keep up this pace uh, for this season and next season uh, and even keeps going on that, if he keeps up this pace, he will have a whole lot of yards on his book. If he plays as many games as Barry Sanders did in his career, he'll have 18,000 yards. If he plays as many games as Walter Payton did in his career, he'll have 21,000 yards, shattering every possible record that a running back could have. Uh, how 
you know, how, how close are we to saying this guy might be the greatest running back of all time? Well, I think it's obviously still, it's obviously still very early to be having that conversation, you know, given that Derrick Henry uh, is still only 27 years old and he's got several more years ahead of him uh, in his prime form. But at this pace, uh, maybe it's not too early to start having that conversation. And to the point about injuries, uh, I certainly agree with you that it seems like he's he's going to get nicked up at some point. It's bound to happen. But at the same time, I, th- I feel like we've been saying that for the past two years. And he's had 303 carries last in 2019, 378 carries in 2020. And he only missed one game combined between those two seasons. And almost any other player in the NFL, any other running back specifically with this type of workload, uh, would certainly not be able to sustain that for a whole season. But maybe he's just not like any other running back in the NFL right now, which is true. But maybe he's just an anomaly compared to what we've seen uh, in terms of being a physical presence over the past several years and maybe even decades at this point. Yeah, I think anomaly is is, a, is the best way to put it. And, you know, I, I hope that I am wrong about this injury status and I hope we just keep seeing more and more Derrick Henry every single year. But he's getting close. I definitely think by the end of the season, he puts up a 2,000-yard season back-to-back years. He's up there with Jim Brown and Walter Payton for me uh, and Barry Sanders. But I think an MVP which all of those guys have, and Jim Brown, in fact, has three of them, I think would go a long shot. So I feel final question to this part. You throwing any money on on Derrick Henry to win MVP at 2000? I would definitely consider it. Uh, It's still tough for me to envision him winning MVP just because I think a lot of people would have to get over the the quarterback stereotype, the quarterback bias, so to speak. And I also think the Titans would really have to win upwards of 10 games and win their division considerably, which is a possibility, but I'm not all that certain it's a likelihood uh, just yet. I think that's a good take. I think there's a lot of things that have to go right, like you said, Uh, but I mean, at plus 2,000 for a guy that should be, I would argue at plus 1,000, around plus 1,200, something like that, I think that the value uh, is terrific, and if we get to the end of the game, if we get to the end of the season and the Cardinals aren't undefeated, uh, and the Ravens aren't kings of the AFC once again, I think it's going to be harder and harder every single week to argue that this guy shouldn't be MVP. Oh, and, uh, bet, and, and bet on it now. I mean, that goes without saying, because that, that plus 2,000 is going to be closer to plus 1,000 uh, very soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, that's, uh, I bet, the most interesting conversation we'll be having. Uh, we'll have some more at the end, but uh, there's a whole slew of games that we've got to get to, Frank. Not many good ones. Uh, and that starts on Thursday night. We're going to try and go a little bit quicker than we average do, um, than we usually do, just to uh, you know keep up the pace and not talk about these terrible games. Let's start with a matchup of two three and three teams: Denver at Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is missing about a third of their roster as Denver comes in at a plus one forty five money line. Cleveland still favored at minus three point five. Uh, I mean, I could go down the injury roster, but Frank, I think uh, that would be too much time. Are you taking Cleveland uh, banged up and good? Yeah, even despite. All of their injuries, I still think Cleveland is not necessarily in a terrible spot to win this game. Thursday night at home, people are starting to count them out a little bit. Uh, and they do desperately kind of need a win because they're they're not in a great place. Uh, they haven't been in a great place over the past couple of weeks. But uh, the Broncos have lost three in a row, and they're coming in 
uh, with injuries of their own, but they're starting to get a little bit more healthy, uh, healthier than the Browns are, obviously. Uh, I kind of like the Broncos, plus 145 uh, in a mini upset to uh, get back on track. And you know, Rodham, they have a quarterback who uh, historically for his career has been very successful at covering spreads uh, for what that's worth. Yeah, Two Gloves is absolutely the guy you want in this position. I just wouldn't want to be the Browns facing one of the best secondaries in the league, having guys like Odell, Baker, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Jack Conklin, A.J. Green, uh, Jeremiah Wusukura, who we talked about last week, Malcolm Smith, J.C. Treader, Jedrick Willis. I mean, that's I mean, that's two, the two, your two best receiving targets, your quarterback, both of your top two running backs, a third of your offensive line, uh, and one of that two of your top four defensive players. So I, I would not trust my money on the Browns. I don't know. You know, it's a Thursday night game. Anything is possible. But I think one big hit from a guy like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, and Baker Mayfield's out of this game. And, I mean, once once that happens, this, this game is essentially over for me. So I'm definitely going Broncos. Let's keep it rolling, Frank. 1 o'clock. We don't have London to go to this week. We're staying only in the grand old US of A. Uh, and thankfully for that, we get to talk to the guy who owns his whole damn life, owns the Bears. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, 5-1. and one. Playing out of home against Washington football team, two and four. Football team plus 340 money line, Green Bay minus 9.5 spread. Uh, this, it's fun. It's fun. I mean, I, I'm excited to see Rodgers go at it again. And Taylor Heineke is surely someone that's going to be <laughs> on the field. How do you think about his shot on uh, updoing the reigning MVP? Yeah, that's a, definitely a ringing endorsement saying that he's somebody who's going to be on the field. That, that truly separates him from the pack. But uh, speaking of pack, uh, go pack go. Week one seems like uh, light years ago when everyone hit the panic button on the Packers, and since then, winners of five straight. Uh, their you know level of competition has been great, so to speak. But fortunately for them, uh, Washington is not in a great place right now, and I think that much like the Chiefs did last week, the Packers will will be able to score a lot of points on this Washington defense. And if the Chiefs defense can hold Washington to 13 points, you have to think that the Packers defense uh, is up to the challenge enough for Green Bay to win this game uh, by a sizable margin. And that's why I like the minus nine and a half. Yeah, I think nine and a half is just such an easy selection here. I mean, it's obviously when we were making our teaser, which we'll get to later, this is the clear pick number one for all of them. I know the football team, every single week, you kind of hope that maybe this is the week their defense turns up, but it's not going to happen against Aaron Rodgers. I would like to see anyone in this football team try and cover Devontae Adams, and I think this is, again, the simplest call of the 1 o'clock slate is Green Bay minus 9.5. Uh, even if it gets to a little bit of a close game, I think the closest Washington Foon's going to get is a 10-point game, and Rodgers looks like he's heating up every single week, and he was on that MVP list I called earlier, so... I think that trend only continues upwards. On to the next game, Frank. Carolina, 3-3. Three three. New York Giants, 1-5. Uh, the Giants, plus 140 at home. Carolina, minus 3. Losers of three straights and starting the season undefeated with the league's best defense. Uh, over the last three weeks, they've actually been the de- league's 25th best defense. So really, uh, really Jekyll and Hyde right now for Carolina. Which one do you think we're going to get against the Giants uh, now with Danny Dimes right back in the saddle? Yeah, definitely unfortunate uh, that Carolina has been sliding in the way that they have. Uh, To their credit, they didn't play terrible last week. They came out on the wrong side of a close game against the Vikings. Uh, Another team that's been sliding, uh, in fact, for the whole season, is the Giants, a team that you and I uh, thought might win their division this year and might exceed their win total 
or might exceed their projected win total. Terrible call by us. Uh, I'm going to pick the Panthers in this game. I'm going to pick them again. Hope that they come through. Uh, this has this says less about the Panthers to me than it does about the Giants because I have little to no confidence uh, in the Giants winning a game right now. And the plus 140 is not quite enticing enough for me to change that. Yeah, Frank, I mean, I was, I was about to come on here and try and spew some nonsense about the Giants. But, I mean, the, the fact of the matter is they have no one on offense left. Saquon's out. K- Kadarius Tony, who was their new highlight star, is out. Darius Slayton's out. Uh, Kenny Galladay is still out. Andrew Thomas, who was starting to look like a very solid first-round pick again, is now out. Um, and this team is built around explosionists and getting those big plays, those 50-yarders that they can every once in a while. And I think that would have been really susceptible to a team like the the Panthers right now. But I think you got to go for the favorable team right now. And, and I think Sam Darnold, he might not be playing the Jets, but I'm sure after his performance against the Jets, he's going to be happy right back in, in MetLife Stadium and, and probably will have another one of his better performances. Uh, his overs, I think, are probably the best bet of the game, but I am going to go with Panthers minus three right there with you. Yeah, Darnold has definitely been regressing, uh, turning the ball over a lot more, which we talked about last week. But you have to think, even on the road, you know, back in his old home, MetLife Stadium, that uh, this is a good spot for somewhat of a bounce-back game. And also, to the Giants' point, uh, we don't have the odds in front of us, but Joe Judge is uh, might be on the path to being the first head coach fired this year with the way that his team has been playing. He might be, and that's that's a sad fact. After he, you know, was looking like he was shaping this team up to be better, but I don't think uh, they're in a position right now to not be looking at him as a big source of why they might be losing. Uh, keep it going on these bad games, Frank. The combined record of these two teams are three and eight. Those teams being the Atlanta Falcons at two and three, Miami Dolphins at one and five. Uh, two teams that have played in London most recently, uh, with Miami at minus. And with Miami at plus 125 on their home turf. Atlanta, uh, we say it every week, Vegas loves Atlanta, and it's minus 2.5 this week. Uh, I can't say that I'm too surprised. I mean, the last time we saw Atlanta, they held New York to 230 yards. Matt Ryan and that offense put up about 450. Uh, Ryan's actually been on a pretty solid run, eight touchdowns to zero interceptions over the last three games. Uh, do you think Matt Ryan uh, and his current hot streak are good enough to get over these Dolphins? I think so. Uh, don't feel great about it. The, the Falcons being favored in the game definitely makes you a little bit scared to pick them, but uh, this Dolphins team is just in the gutter right now. Uh, if you lose to the Jaguars in London, it's hard to come back from that, I think, uh, with jet lag, mind you, and uh, turn that around against the team, uh, even though it's the Falcons, that's you know off a of bye week, and minus two and a half seems like enough, I think, for the Falcons to cover, but I mean, we already know how this game is going to go. Falcons will probably jump out to a lead. That lead will quickly evaporate. It's just a matter of uh, who makes plays and decision, who makes the better plays and decisions uh, down the stretch. Yeah, and that's going to be tough. I mean, you're talking about a team that blew a lead. The the Dolphins literally just blew a 10-point lead to the Jaguars. Uh, failed to convert a pretty questionable fourth down, and we like to talk about how good Brian Flores is in, but I, I, don't, I don't know if that's what you do with two minutes left. Horrible. With Awful. the Jaguars out, it was just not a good call, and I want to say that I trust him more than I do uh, the guys uh, in Arthur Smith in, in the Falcon side. But I think Tua has some promise. I think there's worthy debate if Tua has another bad week, and you know maybe maybe that number three pick should have been used on a quarterback instead of traded away and then traded up for Jalen for for Waddle. But he had 329 yards, two touchdowns. I don't think he looked terrible. He's got another week to build on his return to injury status. 
not enough on the money line, I think. But either way, I'm sticking at that plus 125. I like the Dolphins here. There's got to be some underdogs some weeks. And, you know, I would consider both of these teams underdogs. But the technical one here is the Dolphins. So I will stick with Miami. They're both underdogs because they're both under everyone else in the sense that they're not good. Man, speaking of not good, the last, the next game of our one o'clock slate: New Jersey Jets, the New York Jets, one and four at New England, two and four. Combined record three and eight. Another delightful game for us. The Jets, who do have a win now at plus two fifty money line, New England minus six point five. I feel like this line is way too high, and we have gone back and forth about whether this line should be higher or lower. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? I'm not surprised that it's minus six and a half. Uh, I wish it was a little bit lower I, for betting purposes, but I'm still going to take the Patriots minus six and a half. Uh, the Jets coming off a of bye week does not scare me. Uh, you see what the Patriots did to the Jets and to Zach Wilson specifically uh, on the road earlier in the season. And now they're at home coming off another close loss. I think that Bill Belichick's probably licking his chops to be playing Zach Wilson again, and I think the Patriots will win by a touchdown or more. I'm, I'm, I don't feel that confident about this. I know the Patriots did great against the rookie quarterback, but I mean, I think both of these quarterbacks have, have grown a lot since, you know, the first few weeks. Wilson led the Jets to a comeback over Tennessee, and, you know, Mac. The Mac attack has looked terrific. He's gone to toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and Dak Prescott at this point, but I wonder if that's a play-up-and-play-down-to-your-opponent kind of situation, and I wouldn't be surprised if New England plays down to their opponent. I know Bill Belichick versus the Jets is, is traditionally the game in which they wipe the floor with someone across the field, but this is not the same Patriots team of old. I'm sticking with the Patriots on the money line here, but I, I'm much too tempted to go Jets plus 6.5. I think they'll they'll have a nice fight. This will be an interesting game, at least. You know, it's divisional. We, it, it, It's a good reason to stay. I know it's in New England, but I don't know. I like what I'm seeing out of Zach Wilson. Mac Jones, obviously, I still think he should be the offensive rookie of the year at the moment. And, you know, if he can play like Dak Prescott and he can play like Tom Brady, I don't know how good he's going to be if he's going to try and play like Zach Wilson. But I think that the, the, the plus here is a lot more tant- uh, tantalizing than it is at the minus. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I don't believe in the Jets as much as you do, but to your credit, you, you did pick them to cover a couple weeks ago, and it uh, it worked out for you. So maybe you know something uh, that I don't. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that I know better things about better teams, but maybe the Jets are just my uh, my calling card this year. Uh, let's talk about some actually good games. We have two on the 1 o'clock slate, the first being Kansas City 3-3 three and three at Tennessee 4.4-2. We obviously just talked about Derrick Henry uh, and his plus 200 money line coming into this game. Uh, Kansas City will be uh, the away team at minus 5.5. Derrick Henry, leading rusher in the league. Kansas City allowing the most rushing yards in the league. Uh, that is surely not a good combination for Andy Reid, but do you think that's going to be enough to get the Titans over the hump? So after week six, uh, I think there's two possible overreactions you could have, and I'm not buying into either of them at the moment. Uh, One being that the Chiefs are back after a convincing win over Washington, or that the Titans are as good as the team uh, that we saw beating the Bills and that they're a favorite in the AFC. With that being said, uh, I still think this Chiefs defense is bad, considerably bad, and I think that the Titans are going to be able to move the ball consistently on Kansas City. And for as good as the Chiefs have been in the past, uh, last year, even in their heyday, 
one thing they didn't do all that great was cover, cover the spread as a favorite. So I'm taking Tennessee at home plus five and a half. But in what I think, <clears throat> in what should be a high-scoring game, I still think the Chiefs will score enough points to beat the Titans in the end. And if the Chiefs don't turn the ball over uh, like they have been, then there is definitely a path for them to cover at five and a half. But I will go hedge Tennessee, money line Chiefs. I am tempted to follow you there. I mean, I don't have any more to add to that argument. I think that maybe Andy Reid. He's got to wake up. He's got to realize that what he's doing is not working. Tell Eric Bieniemy to calm his ass down because you can't be this loose. Like I get that you are the presumptive best team in the NFL, but that is no longer the case. I mean, you're not even the top seven in, in the AFC at the moment, and I think that the the Chiefs really need to sit down and look at themselves and say we need to pile on some wins here because we're the Kansas City Chiefs and we need to be a ten win team. In that moment they are not looking like a ten win team. I think that this might be the week, you know, against the Titans. Don't love the matchup, but if they can somehow put everything they've got against stopping Derrick Henry, I don't think anyone else in the Titans have the capability to do anything. Um, and that that's it. That's all I got. I'm going Kansas City on both fronts here, uh, but I do think the hedge might be the best way to go. It's also a question of, do the Titans have enough in the tank to beat the Bills on Monday night and then turn around on a short week and beat the Chiefs uh, the next week later? That is a tall task. Yeah, certainly, and I, I mean, there's there's the same question about Derrick Henry, right? It's uh, it's how much gas do you have have in that tank? And I'm sure he's he's a big body, but that he needs some rest there. And uh, Papa Nichols, not the guy I want going. Last game of the one o'clock slate: Cincinnati four and two, Baltimore five and one. I would argue that this is the marquee game of the week. Uh, once again, Baltimore Ravens. We are here to entertain the entire league, while the rest of the league decides that it doesn't want to play any entertaining football games. Cincinnati is at plus 220 despite being 4-2. and two. Baltimore is a kind of surprising minus 6 uh, after, you know, they, they they got us on a surprising spread last week, and obviously Vegas knew what they were talking about after Baltimore decimated uh, the previously divi- uh, conference-leading Chargers. So how do you think they're going to handle these Cincinnati Bengals who are currently fourth in the conference? Yeah, again, I think the Bengals are a nice story this year. Uh, being second in the AFC North, to their credit, is a strong feat through six weeks. I think that their roster right now is much more well-equipped to match up with the Ravens than has been in recent past. But the recent past uh, would say the exact opposite. Past three meetings between these two teams, the Ravens have scored 114 points. The Bengals have scored 19 points. And the Ravens are at home. This is a matchup that historically they have thrived on. Uh, I think there's an avenue for Cincy to cover, plus six. But I think Baltimore minus six is probably uh, the safer way to go, especially after uh, what we saw last week, like you said, dismantling uh, a Chargers team that I dare say is better than this Bengals team. Yeah, I mean, you dare say. I don't think any. I don't think many people are disagreeing with you on that case. But I, dare, uh, I mean, I've, I've I gone dare, with the... I still dare to say it. I mean, yeah, you do still dare to say it. Um I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fun defensive game. I think the best game, best number you're looking at maybe is that under at forty seven point five. Because sure, the Ravens might put up a good one, but I, the the Bengals defense really has been one of the more impressive units in the league so far. And I think it might be an interesting task to see how they hold Lamar Jackson down. Not a task that many teams can do. Uh, and I do like this Bengals defense to some extent, but I don't think it's a task that they will be able to fulfill. I'm gonna go Ravens on both sides here. 
Uh, but again, this is the game of the week, so uh, nothing better to look forward to, nothing better to come from. Uh, so, you know, enjoy this one while you can. Also, uh, announcing this game is going to be Kevin Harlan, a, a great announcer. I'm sure you'd agree, wrote him a couple years ago uh, when Lamar Jackson did his infamous spin move in Cincinnati. Uh, Kevin Harlan had one of the better calls on that play. So hopefully we see uh, something similar play out this time around. Yeah, hopefully uh, we'll keep uh, the interest up. Uh, Lamar does like to play those Bengals and uh, Harbaugh, terrific record against them. So I think that is a winning combination if you're going to trust them. But hey, this would be a hell of a statement by the Bengals if they can pull this one off and go top of the conference. But I think that's kind of it for teams we're going to talk about for the last conference because this 4 o'clock slate is a snore of a, of a few matchups. Let's start with the only probably maybe competitive one. Uh, Philadelphia 2-4 and four going to Las Vegas Allegiant Stadium 4-2 and two as the Raiders. I can say it again because they won a game. I can be happy for them. Philadelphia plus 150. Raiders minus 3. Uh, you know, not much to say about this game. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fun Italian names to say on either sideline. So which, uh, which of these two Italian head coaches are you going to go with? Yeah, I think that's the best storyline of this game, frankly, and one of the better storylines of the entire weekend. Uh, Sirianni on one sideline, uh, Versace on the other sideline. Not Versace, but Versace. Uh, but with the Raiders, with the way the Raiders looked last week, uh, maybe he should change his last name to Versace. I'm going to take the Raiders, minus three. Uh, they're at home again. For some reason, it seems like they're playing every game at home this year. I, I don't know if that's obviously not true, but it feels that way. Uh, Eagles are hard to project week in, week out. Uh, and you think you have to think that the Raiders uh, take care of business and win by a field goal or more. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm honestly picking the Raiders here more about the Eagles than I am about the Raiders. It feels like Nick Cerrone and, and Jalen Hurts were on the same page week one and have drifted farther and farther apart since then. Every time Nick Cerrone tries something different, Jalen Hurts can't get it together. Every time Jalen Hurts has a nice little stretch, Nick Cerrone makes a dumb mistake. If those two can click and really just make this offense work, I think they're genuinely a threat to make the playoffs. But that hasn't been true since week one. So I'm going the Raiders here until further notice. Yeah, and maybe the Raiders play better when they're not in prime time, when less people are paying attention to them, because it feels like they've really struggled and fallen flat in the bright lights. But, you know, even at 4 o'clock, Vegas, uh, it's definitely a primetime spot. Not the game, but the location. Yeah, I mean, it, it's everything's always brighter in Vegas, and I don't think that any game they play is truly not out of that primetime, much like the L.A. Rams, because uh, L.A., always a primetime Hollywood spot. Detroit 0-6, Los Angeles Rams 5-1, uh, and 1, the first of our three straight games in the double-digit spreads as Los Angeles starts us off at minus 14.5. I've been talking about Campbell covers all season long. Frank, Campbell covering this one? You have been talking about it. it. Certainly did not pan out well last week when they got thrashed by the Bengals. However, I think the Lions cover in this game. Uh, love the Rams, obviously, but can they replicate a near 30-point win two weeks in a row? It's possible, but you look at the Lions' trend this year. They follow up a heartbreak loss with a double-digit defeat, and it's rinse and repeat. Yo, that rhymed. Never realized it. It's rinse and repeat. And after after a crushing loss to the Vikings, they got blown out by the Bengals. So I think they'll cover in this spot against the Rams. All they need to do is lose 
by two touchdowns or less. That's it. That, that's prime backdoor cover territory. Yeah, and I mean, backdoor covering is what Campbell does best. They are actually 3-3, three and three, so the Campbell cover situation not as going as well as I thought they would when they were to be well above, but they're still keeping their necks above water here, uh, which is definitely better than they can say about their money line, uh, which has yet to hit. Uh, I don't think it's going to hit. Uh, I talk about how I think this Rams team is is eventually going to be the best in the football. Um, I don't know. Maybe this is a practice run. Maybe maybe McVay's got some cool things. Maybe this is Cooper Cups just saying, hey, don't forget about me again after Robert Woods finally had a good game last week. Um, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities in this game, but I think the only certainty we can say Rams are going to win, and I'd lean on the side of Rams winning by over two touchdowns at minus 14.5. It's a fair take. The Lions are bad. Lines are bad. Rams are good. I think we can say a similar thing about a next game. Chicago, 3-3. Three three. Tampa Bay, 5-1. and one. Both of these are currently playoff teams. Uh, I think one unarguably better than the other, and they happen to have a Lombardi trophy to show for it in Raymond J. Stadium where this game will be played. Chicago comes in plus 500. Tampa Bay next double-digiter at minus 12.5. This was a, a big, big matchup on both of these teams' schedules last year, is without this game, the Bears would not have made the playoffs, and without this game, the Bucks probably wouldn't have been as fired up to go and win a Super Bowl. Uh, do you think we'll see a repeat of last year, or do you think the Bucks will get revenge? Well, if you call it revenge, then sure, I think the Buccaneers will win this game. But 12 and a half, for as much as you know, I'm not too fond of the Bears, I think it's too many points. I think Chicago plus 12 and a half uh, is the better play. The Buccaneers are obviously a great team. They've been on the right side of a couple blowouts this year, but the teams they did blow out, Atlanta and Miami, uh, I dare say are maybe not considerably worse, but definitely worse than the Bears in their current state. And the Eagles were able to sneak up and backdoor cover the Buccaneers last week. And the Bears, plus 12 and a half, I don't see any reason why they couldn't do the same. Yeah, I mean, all the talk about how they didn't have a good game this week, I feel like, is, is a little blown out. Sure, Aaron Rodgers did hit usual Aaron Rodgers at Soldier Field stuff, but, I mean, they kept a Packers offense, which is generally incredibly potent. Not quiet, but, I mean, 323 total yards and only 24 points is better than average versus Aaron Rodgers, and that's why I think you got to take the Bears on this one, because as much as I love to say it, and you know I love to say it, I'm a fan of this Bears defense, not a fan of this offense, and I think this defense is going to be capable enough uh, with enough talent in the secondary and especially a lot of talent in the in the middle of the field uh, to keep Tom Brady at average pace, nothing too crazy. And I think if Tom Brady's not going too crazy, I think uh, it's got to be it's got to be Bears. Uh, to note, also the Bucks are two and four against the spread, uh, which is typical for Tom Brady in the first half of the season. So I think that the Bears are an easy call here. But I think of the three teams we're talking about here, the double digits, the Chicago Bears are probably the most likely to uh, to break that. I would agree, uh, but 12 and a half is high. I, it just makes me wonder if there's anything higher left on the slate of games. Oh, Frank, you wouldn't believe, but the Houston Texans, the 1-5 and five Houston Texans, are going to Arizona into the desert to fight the undefeated Arizona Cardinals and current MVP favorite Kyler Murray uh, at a not even a money line available at this point because it is uh, such a widespread, but they are being handed an Arizona spread of minus 17.5. Almost three touchdowns. Frank, thoughts on Houston not getting destroyed? Well, last time uh, we saw the scenario a few weeks ago, the Bills were playing the Texans, favored by 16 points. 
Uh, we kind of went back and forth saying, you know, is that spread too high? This is the NFL. Uh, it could be somewhat of a competitive game. The Bills won that game 40-0. to zero. Cardinals, minus 17 and a half, and I'm not looking the other way. Yeah, I mean, Arizona scored 30 or more points in five of its six games, and its defense has registered, I think, they're second in the league right now in ter- takeaways. Uh, if you can take uh, bets on Davis Mills interceptions, over, no matter what the number is. I don't care if it's three. I don't care if it's four. He's going to throw a lot of them, uh, Nathan Peterman style. And I think, uh, you know, let's move on to the Sunday Night Football game uh, because four o'clock could not end any sooner, and it were not even to Sunday. You're not uh, you're not sticking your neck out for Davis Mills. You did it a couple weeks ago, and you looked pretty good. No, well, let's not say a couple weeks ago. I've done it for the last two weeks. Uh, and I may have hit on one of those, but I don't think it'll be happening anytime soon, especially not against the best team by record uh, in the NFL right now. Yeah, but Frank, let's head over to primetime where the 2-4 and four Indianapolis Colts will head over to Candlestick Park, uh, or the artist formerly known as Candlestick Park, uh, and I think it's Levi Stadium, at San Francisco, who are 2-3. and three. Indianapolis coming with a money line of plus 170, San Francisco at a spread of minus 4. I mean, uh, minus 4, minus snore, am I right? You would be right. Uh, not a bad assessment for this game. Uh, two teams with losing records that maybe, you know, certainly had winning aspirations coming into the season. Not sure which side of the aisle to go with this game, but if you're looking for an upset pick, I think the Colts on the road have a legitimate chance to, to pull off the upset here at plus 170, uh, plus 14 on the spread. I like that number. And, you know, the Colts have definitely looked better in recent weeks. And sure, the 49ers are coming off a bye, but I don't know how much, in a, how much of an advantage that gives them in this spot. Carson Wentz seems to have found a bit of a groove in Frank Reich's offense. And I'll take the Colts, the two and four Colts, uh, on the money line and the spread in this game. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I was I was on the verge of taking the Colts here, but now we're back to the Jimmy G show, and I know people like the shit on Jimmy G, but over the last three weeks with Trey Lance at the helm, uh, the 49ers just have not been great, especially in the turnovers. They've been minus four in margin over the last three games, uh, but they have been competitive. I mean, they're a combined 16-point losses uh, over the last few games, and I think that with Jimmy G back, if you can get a little bit more sanity, a little bit more consistency, a little bit more anything to this offense, I like it. I really like it. Uh, I think Hasty's going to be back too, and I think this should be a close game. I think I'm surprised that you aren't hedging on this one, though if you like the Colts, you like the Colts, but I'm going for San Francisco here. Uh, And I I say it every week, but maybe this is the Kyle Shanahanigans game. Maybe. One day we'll see something interesting come out of this playbook, because even with Trey Lance at quarterback, uh, that guy was conservative as he usually is. Not. Yeah, definitely a bit surprising, and it is Sunday night, so maybe he'll have, you know, a trick up his sleeve or two. Uh, I think a fair assessment of this game, I think we both kind of agree that it's going to be close. Maybe whichever quarterback turns the ball over less, his team will come out on the winning side of the equation. Yeah, I mean, that's that's usually how it goes, and I dare say that that actually might be true for the Monday night football game as well, as the turnover-friendly New Orleans Saints and Seattle Seahawks play each other in CenturyLink Field. Uh, New Orleans, obviously referring to Jameis Winston, are 3-2, and two, uh, and will be going up to Washington State at minus 4.5. Seattle will be protecting home turf with Geno Smith at quarterback at plus 190 money line. Uh, Seattle, once again, in the spotlight. Do you think they'll be able to get it done this time and not lose on a field goal? 
I think they might have a better chance this time around. The biggest reason is that they're playing at home, uh, you know, in prime time. That's obviously been a difficult spot for opposing teams uh, to be successful in in recent years. But I think the Saints find a way to win this game, much like the Steelers did last week. Uh, they're off a bye week. They've obviously been difficult to predict uh, week in, week out. They've alternated wins and losses more often than not. But I'll take Seattle plus four and a half to hedge. Uh, out of respect for the home field advantage. Uh, and, you know, the Saints have looked good at times. And like I said, they've looked bad at times. Sean Payton, Pete Carroll, great head coaching matchup. But I don't want to pick Geno Smith in prime time uh, until he proves me otherwise. And I didn't do it last week. Almost did. Uh, and sure enough, a costly turnover. It lost him that game late. And I wouldn't be surprised if something similar unfolded uh, on Monday night. I mean, are you really putting that one on Geno Smith? I would believe a certain DK Metcalf might uh, deserve a little bit more credit. But I liked how Geno played. I mean, I think we talked about it last week. He had that one good drive. And honestly, I dare say if DK doesn't fumble that ball, they probably end up winning that game. Geno Smith looks a lot better. And I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that Seattle has such a big money line. And at plus 190 on primetime, anything can happen. It's Monday night. We've seen, we, we've seen it every week on Monday night. I don't think we've seen a very destructive takeaway game right now on Monday night. I mean, Colts, Ravens, Bills, Titans, uh, the Raiders Chargers game was fantastic. The uh, Cowboys Eagles might be the only one. That was a, that was a 20 point win. But before that, the Packers and the Lions uh, wasn't a bad game. The Raiders and the Ravens. I mean, Monday night has not disappointed so far and I don't think it'll disappoint now. Uh, I'm going to go with Seattle here at plus 4.5. And I think Geno Smith, give him props. I think Geno Smith is going to win this game. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to rag on him. I think, you know, being thrust into a starting role, unexpectedly i think he's performed admirably overall uh it's just you know it's not a terribly great spot i think the saints defense has been very very strong this season and sean payton seems like the kind of coach who should be able to game plan enough to beat uh, a, a limited quarterback i think that's fair a limited quarterback in geno smith and the seahawks also are not going to have chris carson again in this game and alex collins is a suitable backup running back but Hey, more, more than suitable. I mean, that yeah. they, he had two drives where he was essentially the best player on the field multiple times against the very stout Seattle Sea, uh, against the very stout Steelers defense. I mean, that that one drive where they had set 75 yards straight up the field, I think it was six plays. Five of them were him rushing the ball straight up the field, and the last one was him scoring the touchdown. Alex Collins, as we both know as Ravens fans, much better than just an okay average second running back. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's definitely an above average backup running back, but again, you know, I'm with you. Seattle plus four and a half. I'm hedging this game. I just uh, I have more trust in the Saints at this juncture uh, to make the plays down the stretch than I do the Seahawks. But like you said, Monday night should be a good game. Could get wild. Could get wacky. Uh, probably a stay away, quite honestly, in my opinion. Yeah, but I mean, maybe it'll be one of the few good games of the week. Uh, like we said, not many. Uh, obviously, a few teams are not with us for the week. Buffalo, Dallas, the Chargers, the Vikings, the Steelers, and the Jaguars. Thank God we're not going to see the Jaguars this week. Uh, will not be with us thanks to the deflated bye week of week seven. Frank, your luck of the week this week. Uh, you didn't hit last week thanks to the last Monday night game that we talked about. Confident about the Bills. Who are you going for this week? Yeah, my locks of the week have been spotty, uh, to say the least. Really don't want to pick the Patriots again. It didn't work out for me a few weeks ago against the Texans, but... Looking at all the lines of these games this week, I'm sorry, but New England minus six and a half. I know you like just to cover, but I think that 
that's the best line in my opinion the one i feel the most uh, one of the ones i feel the most strong about uh, and for that reason i'll roll the dice with new england again and uh cross my fingers yeah i mean i can see why you're coming new england by the way is two and four against the spread but new york jets one and five so you never really know about either of those teams. I'm going to go with Las Vegas. Last time I got them, uh, they did me well. Uh, the Raiders are generally good against the uh, spread. They're currently sitting at 3-3. Three and three, But I just think in a matchup here against the Eagles with two guys that I don't think are on the same page, like I mentioned earlier, I, I just really like the Raiders. In fact, uh, I like them so much that for some reason I wrote down minus 6. Uh, so if you wanted to double the spread, I would still keep it. Uh, but I am 4-2 and two in the lock of the week. Frank is 3-3. Three and three. Uh, We didn't have our greatest of weeks last week as we both went 8-6 and six on the money line. I went 8-6 and six on the spread. Frank went 6-8, and eight, dropping him just a game under 500. So you better hope for a good week this week to get back over there. Uh, but you are still five games ahead of me on the money line. Our teaser hit, though, which is probably the most exciting part. So this week's teaser, Frank, you want to run us down through it? Absolutely. And to your point, our teaser did hit. And that puts us at 4-2. and two. On the year, on a two-game teasing win streak. Like you said, six teams on a bye this week, much less teaser potential. So we're going to drop it from a four-game teaser to a three-game teaser. Packers, who have come through for us two weeks in a row, minus three and a half against Washington. You like that, Rotom? I do like that. Something I forgot to mention while we were talking about ATS records. Uh, Green Bay is second in the league right now against the spread at 5-1. and one. Washington is bottom of the league at ATS, 1-5. I think this is probably the lock of the week that we both didn't agree on. There you go. Rams. We didn't agree on the actual spread, but if you drop it down to minus 8.5, that number against the lousy Lions, I can absolutely get behind. Your thoughts? Hey, if you can get behind it, I can get behind it. I still stand this Rams team by the end of the season is going to be football's best. If they want to do that, they got to get past the Lions. A huge test at 0-6. Uh, third leg of the teaser. Third and final leg. Not going with the spread. For the first time, over, under. Jets, Patriots. A game we spent way too much time talking about. Teasing it up. Teasing it upwards to 46.5 points. Taking the under. I don't see a lot of points being scored in this game, and I imagine you feel the same way. Yeah, of the 11 games played between these two teams, seven of them have hit the under. Um, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, New England is playing down to their opponent every single time, uh, and it feels like if they're going to play down to the Jets' level and it's a slow, quiet game where Bolden and Stevenson and... Whoever in God's name Bill Belichick wants to pull out for this one uh, is just going to tug along with the ball. I feel like this could be a, a drag-em-out, low-scoring game uh, where maybe either the Patriots... I mean, in your, in your circumstance, I think the Patriots score maybe like 17 points and the Jets only score three. Uh, in my happenstance, I would say maybe it's 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 the Jets... It's the New England 20 and then Jets 17 or Jets 14, somewhere, somewhere in that range. But I don't think either of these teams are really in a position to be dropping 30-point games... I think that's a fair estimation, and obviously I agree with you. That value, plus 150. If you put $10 on that three-game teaser, you could win $150 and walk away from an awful weekend of football uh, feeling quite good about yourself. Yeah, I mean, we started talking about movies, but, uh, you know, at the beginning, you can go watch Dune. You can go watch The Eternals. You can go watch The French Dispatch. I'm watching mm. The Last Duel tomorrow. There's so many better things you could be doing on Sunday, and I know we all love football. Basketball's back. You can go watch a game of basketball. I know we all love football, but 
Maybe maybe not this weekend. Take a weekend off for yourself. A little self-healing week. Oh, and to that point, Rotom, you can watch Halloween, No Time to Die, Venom, maybe even uh, Lamb, if you're feeling that kind of vibe. I know maybe you don't watch Lamb. That. Highly recommended that you don't watch Lamb. Unless you... If you, if you want to have a good time, I would rather genuinely watch uh, this... I'd rather genuinely watch the Jets and Patriots game than watch Lamb again. Good advice. Uh, I'll end the episode on this note, Road. We're talking about how bad football is this weekend. Uh, and it's true, it might be, in terms of the quality of games compared to what we've seen. But that being said, even though the MLB playoffs are on and the NBA is starting, to me, football still reigns supreme until the Super Bowl is over. And uh, that's just how I feel about it. I mean, I, I can't disagree with you. And I think the fun of football still rests in the fact that we still have to figure out uh, – playoff situations i mean we talked about the colts briefly but next week is going to be the biggest game in the afc south as the colts and titans play each other i mean we've got a nice little matchup uh for the kansas city chiefs next week i think the 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 ravens i think actually the ravens finally get a week off but uh you know there's a lot of good matchups next week uh and that would be the week you should pay attention to so when you do want to pay attention to that and you want to listen to next week's podcast you can check us out at play it pod both on twitter and on instagram you can check me out at rodham kaufman and frank where can the listeners find you you can find me on Twitter at FrankJP0, and we'll see you next time.